Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. Please play this song on the radio. Please play this song on the radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It is your Now and Again for June of 2018. We are jumping back to the summer of 2005 to talk now Volume 19, it's a turning point, and with me today, my co-host, as always, Brother Man, Nico, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing super great. When you said we were going to jump back, I was getting prepared to do some sort of, like, Back to the Future Christopher Lloyd impersonation, some kind of, like, 600 miles an hour, but, like, I just didn't think I had it, and then I did it out loud anyway. You certainly did do it. Uh, Nico, who's our guest today? Uh, if if he still wants to be with me, uh, this lovely gentleman is named Jonah. Jonah, say hello to everybody. Hello there. I am the boyfriend that keeps getting talked about on the podcast. I am a real person. Almost, yo, that was literally almost word for word exactly how I was going to say it. <laughs> well, that is definitely an introduction, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so here was my thought. Here was my point. Here was my idea. I said to myself, self, I said, self, <clears throat> We're now entering a point where I was starting to disconnect from the the way these were being marketed, right? The thing about now is, is that they were marketed at adults by virtue of having the songs that you recognize and like, and they might be on the shelf at Target. But the way they were marketed at kids was commercials. And, um, you know, Kids Bop might have been on, like, Nickelodeon, but... Um, not every kid watched only Nickelodeon. A lot of these commercials were were designed to lure you in with the younger artists. And we're coming up on a point where uh, Jonah's that target age. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are old as shit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> we were, we're checking a different 2005. box. 2005, 19. We were also focused on college at this point, so maybe our full attention wasn't always towards what was going on in popular music, I know I lost a lot of the world outside of uh, that freshman year bubble for a while. Um, so, I mean, some of these songs were ubiquitous or meme enough that I definitely remember them. Yeah, a lot of these did kind of pierce that cultural vernacular. Um, and that's always what we're talking about with these with these songs. That's what we're talking about with Now. One of the things that we are talking about is did these uh, pierce the cultural vernacular enough to become um, mega hits? Jonah, where were you in the summer of 2005? Uh, I was eight, so I was very much deep in elementary school doing everything an elementary school kid does, which is basically nothing. I had no responsibilities ever at all. Ah, what a beautiful Basically time. my prime. Um, <laughs> but something that was really interesting, for at least for me with music, is that I wasn't actually allowed to listen to most channels. I was really only allowed to listen to the Disney Channel radio station. So any song that's not that wasn't played on that, I had no idea what it was. It was it took me a much longer time to come into, especially this music now, um, than most people. One of my, I think really good example of that was My Humps. <laughs> uh, I had no idea about the song or what exactly anything it meant, but I heard it one time and I got in trouble. And then I never listened to anything off of the Disney Channel ever again. Please don't ask where I was. Please, please don't ask where I was. <laughs> I am. I, um, I love that you are coming into this 19 volumes in where we started it, actually, um, at, this, at the same age and the same time. So this is definitely going to be an interesting kind of thought experiment and a lot of, a lot of very different angles that we're going to be tackling 
mm-hmm. these songs with. Yes. Nico, will you ready to jump right in? Oh, God, I'm so ready to jump into this episode. One of the things about this now that's really ridiculous is this now is an unbelievable unbalance. There is such an unbalance to this now. The things on this now were either mega hits, lesser hits by mega artists, or what the fuck is that? And it's it's unbelievable. And somehow, some way, in everything going on, with this now, we get another Baby Bash song <laughs> and another Frankie J song, and they are once again right upon each other. Okay, what the fuck is happening? We thought the Baby Bash epidemic was over, but he will be back with his buddy Frankie J. And he says Sugar Sugar in this song too. And he says Sayonara. And it's just too much. (laughs) Let's start at the beginning. The most ubiquitous song of its year. The most unforgettable use of a gym whistle in a piece of music. The most unbelievable amount of money Pharrell has ever made in his life. Holla back, girl. culture wasn't quite the same then as it is now but i still feel like this song became a pretty big meme for that summer um i think it i think it's still a meme yeah the shit is bananas b-a-n-a-n-a-s i wouldn't know how to spell bananas without this song Uh, (laughs) no he's not incorrect i wouldn't either i've talked shit about minimalism um and how just songs feel so like lacking in regards to any kind of heavy and any kind of driving force. Um, this is like the exact opposite. Like this is only beat driving it forward. There's very little in regards to instrumentation except the marching band kind of horn section. But even that, I don't think anyone really remembers that as much as they do the um, the kind of uh, oh, Mickey, you're so fine kind of driving marching band beat that it's got going on. <laughs> even that. Well, and I think that's Pharrell's thing. Pharrell's thing is always no music. Think about... Um... Diddy, when Diddy changed his name and he had a song, Diddy, and it was like, the D, the A, uh, the D, the D, the W, the D, the A, uh, the D, this Diddy, like, in, like, that, I mean, half of the, half of that song is really just like, like, seriously, like, seriously, he is a guy who loves noise, as much as he loves yeah. music, he yeah. just loves noise, and he manages to make noise do a whole lot more than most people can. I think Holla Batgirl is a great example of the fact that, um, you know, I need to I need to hold everybody up in place because I have I have a statement to make. One thing that I find really interesting is I have harangued Jewel and Shakira for the fact that they they go from like baby doll to Yodel pretty quickly. But <laughs> um Gwen Stefani is always yodeling, you guys. No, she is. She is always kind of like, like on everything. And I think it's just that they that 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 Pharrell stood up and said, "I have this idea for a song that's essentially a gym teacher trying to break up a school fight." And Gwen Stefani, you should yodel on it. Like, I, it's just it's such a weird, perfect storm. It is. 
It is incredibly but stupid, but I don't <laughs> hold that against the song. No, that's that's exactly right. That's oh, exactly right. It is it is painfully stupid. That's right, dude. Maybe at the bleach has no principals, no student teachers. Shut the fuck up. Come on. That's like Yeah, you are you are a grown woman. But she's hanging out with the Harajuku girls. Love Angel Music Baby. Lamb. Hurry up and come and save uh, me. Yes. Look. Oh, oh, wait. Stop. Pause. Hold on. Shut the fuck up. Wait. No, I've been dying to say this to you since yesterday. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. So yesterday we were watching The Family Feud because my, my husband and I just love game shows. If anybody know, if you know I love something, you know I love game shows. I don't just love game shows. The fact that ABC is giving me five game shows a, a week now right now. Oh, it's a crack. It's so good. Anyway, put in my story. Eve was on Celebrity Family Feud. Okay. Go on. Eve, who we're always rooting for, Eve, she's a host on The Talk now, and she's doing, like, actually really great, and she's got a daily paycheck appearing live on TV, and she's really, like, uh, even Steve Harvey was like, wow, you went from, like, this tough chick to this, like, stunning creature, wow, and, like, yeah, you know, for somebody we say is super underappreciated... Um, you know what? Yeah, she is super underappreciated for her music, but she has definitely managed to stay a personality and stay making music. You know, she was definitely somebody who was out when I was in middle school. So the longevity of her career transforming across mediums, and now she's somebody who's in your home on a regular basis. That's that's really interesting for somebody who started out with the Rough Riders to now be polished talking about what it means to be a woman night every day on tv that's a really cool career and uh i just thought that was really a nice update to a, a an artist's story that we left off in the middle of mm-hmm. it is it is it um is, it is you know it's not only gwen stefani from that song who deserves to be on a tv show <laughs> getting a paycheck um who did you mention speaking of going back and talking about things we've talked about before when you mentioned artists who sing like assholes was that specifically in regards to Gwen Stefani um I believe it was it's Rihanna Sia Jewel um they all sing like assholes but like I do too if you've ever heard my music (laughs) uh I have a friend Jacob Jacob's really awesome he's a professional singer and he's you know one of those people who when he sings just like oh geez yeah he's I don't want to sing in front of him he's he's, he's the kind he's the wrong kind of talented I don't want to sing in front of him so like he uh one time he was listening to one of my recordings and he was like oh man I love the way you pronounce some of these words buddy and I'm like I know I sing like an asshole like Rihanna. I'm sorry. And like, uh, yeah, it's it's usually about one of them. Gwen Stefani, Rihanna, yeah. Well, that's kind of the thing that I was going to say in this song, just the way she spells. She, and I don't know if it's performance or it is like how she actually says the stuff because I think there's like a brattiness to the song that um, she's trying to imbue that, that tone, that kind of sense in the song. But I can't really tell what she's like, this shit is bananas. Like, I can't tell if that is on purpose, but it, it drives me absolutely fucking insane. So follow-up question, from a purely, like, subjective place, do you like this song? <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> no. No, I really don't, but wait. Wait, 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 I'm so sorry, but, like... I have this mental image now that Pharrell and Gwen Stefani went out to lunch or breakfast or something to talk about doing a song and they ordered breakfast and Gwen Stefani was like, can I get pancakes with bananas? And he was like, 
hold up. Don't bring her her food. We have to go get the check. I'm sorry. Earlier today, I heard someone blow a rape whistle, and between that and the way you say bananas, I have a hit on my hands. And, like, they ran out of the restaurant. She talks in this song like I imagine, like, adult babies try to, like, dirty talk. (laughs) (laughs) Gwen Stefani's voice in this song is what you have to use in bed. Okay, so here's what it is. Um... Yeah, okay. I do not subjectively like this song. I think this song has a place in pop culture history, but this song might be the opposite end of MacArthur Park. The The thing that we said about MacArthur <laughs> Park is that song is regrettably hateful. I'm so glad I was able to find a way to work in so many of my references that don't belong in this show so that I can communicate better with everyone. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so dramatic, it's stupid to the point where it hurts. It's like... It's like the uh, Game of Thrones of its day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just an incredibly stupid song that I feel like I feel like it's all bridge with a little bit of chorus and then just that that marching band uh, beat. It, I think in the same year we're also going to get speaking of extremely bratty songs um, with like this stealing shit from Mickey. I feel like we're also getting um, Avril's girlfriend this year. Yeah, um, or at least maybe maybe next year, like within within the same. Uh, 365 days if not the same calendar year for sure I I, I really do think and we've brought this up so many times and we just we keep talking about how we talk about Gwen Stefani for too long every time we talk about Gwen Stefani (laughs) and then we spend like five minutes talking about how we talk about Gwen Stefani for too long and I'm putting my big gay foot down (laughs) and I'm saying we're talking about Switch (laughs) by Will Smith say that we're talking about switch by will smith but i have nothing to say about this song in and of itself i'm willing to talk about will smith um uh but i i have very little uh to say about that this was this was from a movie i'm guessing i'll talk about his kids yes wait so okay one time we're playing a movie game i think i had to give clues about a film to get someone to guess it Mm -hmm. i was under the impression that the plot of this film was that Will Smith was an angel who was kicked out of heaven and had to get um, Kevin Smith with a chick Kevin to Smith. get back into heaven. And Kevin all, Smith. I mean, Kevin... Oh, Kevin, Kevin James. What's his, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, yes. fat until he's not. J- Kevin James. Kevin James. Um, and, uh, and then he falls in love with an earth lady, and then he's not sure if he wants to go back to heaven or not. And... I thought that was the plot of the film, and it turns out very much that it's not. Yeah, that's like three other movies. Chris, if you would do me a favor and look up the actual plot of Hitch for us. Oh, you're mixing it up with like a little bit of City of Angels. City and there of is Angels. There's definitely a movie where like an angel is trying to make two people fall in love. Um, but uh, the actual plot of Hitch, I mean, I don't – I'm not going to look it up because I, I, I don't care enough. I think <laughs> he plays a, uh, like a, da- a, a dating coach, and he's – uh, he's coaching Kevin James into like how to be better with women, and then he falls in love with Ava Mendez, and but he's really bad at falling in love himself because he gets too into his own head. I think this was like something I saw like forty minutes of when I was hungover one day. Um, that is my recollection of that movie. Right, that's basically it. That's all yeah. we need to know. 
I remember he gets stung by bees or something like that, and it's re- it's like it's like it becomes like a Cronenberg movie for a second, where his face blows up. And <laughs> yeah, I, some real body horror shit. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It's not pretty. It's not. Uh, it's like it's like a melting painting by Burl and Ives. But um, so okay, I actually want to call out a couple of things in this song. So I'm not saying anything because I'm not saying anything because you don't say anything. But if I was saying something that that's something you don't say, I maybe would say that like a lot of people know that Will Smith's kind of maybe or uh, no, <clears throat> a lot of people are under the impression that perhaps Will Smith is a little bit gay, and. Um, this is one of those talked about but not talked about things, and it's just something I've heard a number of times, and I'm not leaning into it or anything. But it is unusual, then, that this song would feature a lyric where he literally says, it's it's nearly word for word, it isn't like I like chick on chick or something. Hmm. And it's sort of like, hmm. that's so far into it, that's the raciest thing he's said since referring to summertime as a natural aphrodisiac. He even said in a song that he he doesn't light the cigars he puts in his mouth. Uh, like that was literally a line. Uh, well, not literally, but like in um, well, uh, getting jiggy with it. I think he he says, "I just bite it for the look. I don't light it." It's like you were the, just the most boring fucking person in the world. And Eminem, like maybe one the one good thing he did was shit on Will Smith for having that like holier than thou attitude in his boring ass music. But yeah, no, that that is uh, significantly more Big Willie style than uh than Willennium, if I... I don't even know what I said. Jonah, this is actually where I want to ask you a question. Do you know Will Smith or Jaden and Willow better? I know Jaden and Willow better. Wow. I am more privy to what they have done and what their influence on media has been than Will Smith. Though I have watched... um, Oh my god. Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I have seen that, so I know. Oh my Will god, Smith. he had to think of the name of it, Chris. I oh my god! For a second, have any of his songs ever not been a gimmick? It does. You turn it over and, and flip it. Ooh na na na. Well, no, but I think what's really interesting is this one. Wiki, like, wiki, wah, wah, what, so yeah, no. Well, kind of. <sighs> At some point, he stopped being a a, a rapper and he became a tie-in artist. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this song switch is from the movie hitch mm-hmm. and i guess it scratched an itch you know what i mean like it's it's ridiculous because maybe maybe he got a, a response in a test group maybe somebody in a test group was like like it's one of those things where everybody's like yeah i know i like Will smith yeah no he's really he's good it's fine it's fine it's totally fine i like Will smith. It's good. and then like somebody in the test group was like actually i was thinking about it and like the last six or seven will smith songs have all been also the name of his movie you know there was men in black and there was wild wild west and there was men in black too and i don't think i'd like a song called hitch and so then he was like it's too late i've already written it oh fuck i gotta switch it i gotta just like turn the the title over and flip it <gasps> the song like it's still the same tie-in product i i do agree i think that will smith's songs aren't just gimmicks they're him trying to sell will smith as a package have um have you guys seen um demi Ada Jigbe's um fake will smith credit songs no from modern day no oh he's he's done like fake will smith credit songs for like arrival aladdin get out um, I'll post them in the liner notes. They are very, very funny. Also, that guy in general is very, very funny. But now he has a pop music podcast, so he's the enemy. Um, but <laughs> Boo, I loved him. devil. I loved him before that. Uh, but yeah, he does a very good Will Smith impression. Check the liner notes for that. So did you guys realize that this song 
and the next song are both from Hitch. Oh, really? Yeah. What is the next song? So the next song is literally one of my favorite, like, random pieces of music of all time. It's Amory's One Thing. This is easily one of my favorite pieces of music ever. I don't know why. It's just one of those songs that's like an earworm. It's just like fucking stuck in my brain forever. It's like an infection. And I will always love this song. And I do a fun acoustic cover if you ever want to check it out. I'll probably put it up on my Instagram. This is another good um, another good noise <laughs> from from this volume of now with like the bananas the uh the gobble 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 yeah no no it's gobble 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 yeah it's it's totally her being a turkey (laughs) it's a very good noise this is a a now full of good noises gobble 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 feel good ink has a couple uh spoilers that's on here that's got a couple of good ones too yeah lots lots of good noises uh but yeah this song is great um i super duper mad crazy love this song um it's a really excellent piece of music she sings it really well She's high energy. It's an original sounding composition. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't feel like a thousand other songs. It feels like its own piece of music. Uh, it's unfortunate she didn't seem to have much more career. She had some more career, not much more career. And I just I think this is a great song. I think it's a great song that I think we should we should revisit. If you revisit one song on here, I actually do think it should be this one. I just think this is a great song. Uh, something that I've noticed, just looking through the list slightly spoiling, is that there's a lot of R&B and hip-hop on it, and this is kind of like the first song for it. And I, I was like looking back and I was thinking about it, I was like, 2005 and slowly like, was a really big year for it, and there was like so much like influence came from just R&B and hip-hop and how popular it just slowly started to become and how it formed like part of my generation's view of music, like how it how like who we have now and i think it's really interesting that we can kind of see the shift start here with this song and then as we keep going through the list we'll see more and more of it and i think it's really interesting and i can only say that that backs up the 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 theory on why we did our last side b Mm. Mm. it was really the end of the pop princess and the birth of the you know woman warrior i agree there's a lot of there's a lot of artists and producers who are going to drive sounds that are more unique. Like I've said that this was kind of a turning point episode, and that's for a lot of reasons. But R&B is going to start sounding much more dynamic um, over the next couple of years than it had been in the past. It's kind of – I feel like it was kind of stuck in this very mellow holding pattern. Um, I wish I could describe it, but I feel like I can hear like every R&B song from like – 1998 to 2004 kind of in my head and it's just sort of the same it's a lot of brian mcknight back at once yeah there's a guy in a room in a video and there's a bunch of candles and his shirt is open like it's all kind of that um we're gonna get a lot more yeah kind of dynamic um interesting sounds interesting production the boy bands were driving it there for sure they were like forcing r&b into that place uh, the boy bands, being the predominant selling males that were appealing to mass media, were forcing R&B men into this role of like uh, the, the boy bands got to be fun and sensitive. The the men had to be sensitive and fun, or they had to be like 
outwardly explicitly sexual like r kelly Mm. i think r&b was driven by the fact that so much of boy band music bordered on r&b as well so while the boy bands weren't really r&b or hip-hop they were trying to trend toward that and trying to borrow uh almost like borrow against the culture you know what i mean like oh we're not quite r&b but hey it's an r&b-ish sound um, and I wonder if that was to appease moms. I also think it was to appeal to what they felt was a, a wider market at the time. Um, I think that, that appealing to a, a wider market is always cynically probably um, one of the correct answers. Yeah. Sierra's O featuring Ludacris. We're, we're three for four on uh, incredible abs. I've noticed throughout <laughs> these videos thus far. Yeah, uh, this is this is a this is a pretty banging track from this time. Um, it was at a point though in music that kind of does fade away from here. We're talking about a lot of noises, a lot of noises. This is one of the last times I can think of where you're allowed to get away with an absurd noise as your chorus. Um, I can guarantee you we're gonna you're gonna be eating those words in like two nows. Like I don't even know what's on those nows, but like I feel like I feel like that's forever. Well, but we, I think it's pretty big constant that you can just make noises in a chorus and have it go. We get closer to melody mattering again, and like lyrics. Uh, Beyonce being able to so explicitly express. That Beyonce could perform Unbreakable. Uh, uh, irreplaceable. 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 Jesus, God, I hate that because you always want to be like. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely irreplaceable. Uh, that she's able to do that with like such conviction, and those words are so clear and so powerful. And Lady Gaga, you can pretty much always understand the words coming out of Lady uh, Gaga. I feel, like, I feel like bad romance is essentially what you're describing, though. I don't think it's literally the word O going, ah! over and over again it is very unsingable it's hard to sing along to that right this is the last time something like this is such a nightmare i also think about trains drops of jupiter where he it's now she's back in the drops atmosphere with drops of jupiter in her hair that really that's such a 90s thing that that like uh, noise as everything is such a 90s thing oh man remember when we laughed at corn for like a long time for that yeah Exactly. And I kind of think, like, O is doing it here. Because um, I think at one point she does say, like, sexual. Mm. Oh. Something. You know, it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's not attractive. Because it doesn't, it's, it is hard to sing along with. It's kind of just noises. It doesn't feel like a song. Uh, Jonah, I have a question for you. Do you have any, um, like, knowledge base in regards to Ludacris other than tertiary character in the Fast and the Furious sequels? Uh, not really. I know, really out of Ludacris' career, I know maybe one song that's actually his, and him featured on maybe three others, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about his bars on this one? Uh, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 he is a very different time. He was doing something, I would say he was a very, very original voice of this era. Um, 
especially compared to you know i mean just pe- this, the hip-hop artists on this well the hip-hop artists on this one are pretty fucking low bar but <laughs> that, even yeah. even the big hip-hop artists of his time Ludacris, was such a different unique voice at the time um you know i, I wish he was still releasing music but it's just not I, I don't think he's someone who would translate to the, the hip-hop that is now no i anyway. i think i think he might it's not that he's bad. I think he's actually really talented. And I think you, you make a really good point. He kind of carved his own niche for this time of sounding a lot different. But what's popular today in terms of hip-hop, probably, I don't know if he translates into that. No, he's too fun. And he is modern too fun. hip-hop is just like taking, taking fucking Xanax and being like, all my friends are dead. That, that's every song. Now. Oh, my and God. It's- what, tattooing your face and... What are you oh gonna do? Beep 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 buzz buzz uh, as I break everything. Wait, I'm ringing in because I have to. I have to use uh, knowledge that I know of the situation to to spike this conversation further. Uh, okay. I was showing yes. Jonah a bunch. Okay. No, no, it's on this topic. It's literally about his understanding of ludicrous, and, it, and it's to shed some light on his because it's actually germane yeah. to this and what we're talking about. Jonah, remember when we were watching Missy Elliott videos? Yes. And I was like, oh, you might not know these. Oh, you do know these. Why do you know them again? Good question. Why do I know them again? It was the it was the dancer girl, right? Oh, uh, yes, Alison Stoner. Right. So you were so and so. Okay. Do you remember the girl that danced in all those Missy Elliott videos, Chris? I do indeed. She got a Disney Channel show. Yes, she did. Oh, okay. And that's how Jonah's generation knows Missy Elliott videos. That's uh, that's the thing. <laughs> So it's really interesting how the hip thing, the cool in thing at this time, 13 years ago, Jonah had access to that through the Disney Channel, which is literally, he said at this point in his life, the only things he interacted with were Disney. Right. Yeah. So it even feeds into itself. What, um, and actually here's, here's a follow-up question, um, in regards to that, that I should have asked earlier and not when we were like six songs deep. <laughs> Do you have any memories from around this time of songs that were in your regular kind of child rotation? Oh, uh, okay. Or were any of these on that? Anything on this album at all? Actually, yes. I know, when we get to it, I have so much to talk about my love for it. Uh, Feel Good Incorporated was a okay. song that... It's because um, back when uh, at my babysitter's house that I would say, uh, stay at, we would watch MTV a lot. And back when MTV mostly just played music videos and, and had those like really terrible game shows that we, uh, me and Nico talked about a little while ago, like Next and, oh, I used to watch all of those, it's bad. But um, that's one of those songs that like like stuck with me because I saw it so often and I loved the music video for it. That's just going it, ahead. It does extremely rule that there's someone 10 years younger than us that is still saying, fucking remember when MTV played music videos? <laughs> I feel like that's definitely even dead now. Yes. Now. I think it's like the curse of the spider woman. Like, people just kept saying it to the next generation until it was true. Um, and then, like, just a few songs. It's uh, Some of them, I do have them in my, like, repertoire of now, but most of these I don't remember from when I was young. I was, like, yeah. really oblivious to most of these. <laughs> Slow Down, Bobby V, is a song. Um, I kind of think the next bit of this now gets kind of mushy. Right, we had that incredibly powerful, dynamic, big introduction, and I think the I think it's about to get really mushy. Would you say it slows down? <laughs> I would say it. I would say it, it. It slows down, and then it becomes really obsessed with really dumb shit. Uh, let's <laughs> let's jump in. The slow down uh, video opens with Ludacris, 
and it does. Yes, it uh, does. He is connected to Bobby V. Uh, he is like he had some production stake in Bobby V. Uh, I believe it is more than just this song from my cursory glance. But the thing is, this is this is starts a, a kind of weird run of songs where these are all more forgettable songs by more expensive artists. This was a way to get a lot of big names on here cheap. For a song that's produced by Ludacris, it's like there's there's nothing to it. It sounds uh, it's very. You know, okay, it sounds like a beat that Ludacris would have used on, like, a B-side, and he just gave it to his R&B guy, and it's so boring. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go into what I think is maybe the the most forgettable, uh, you know, so Eminem, because uh, to, to, I, I have nothing else about Slow Down, oh, unless no, anybody no. really yes. wants to slow down. Oh, good. No, so no. Mockingbird, okay, so one of the things that Eminem did that we've talked about is Eminem had that, like, nyah kind of thing that he did all the time. Yeah. His own bananas. He was Hollaback Girl forever, Yes. He was. He's always been like Hollaback White Boy. And here's the thing, though. He's also always had a bunch of themes to his songs. He had like supervillain songs, like Slim Shady is a mindless psychotic murderer. Um, yeah. And he, he had songs about how hard it is to, to grow up Marshall Mathers. And then he yeah. had songs about the dad, Marshall Mathers. And I feel like this comes at, toward the end of the the Haley. Is that her name? Uh, yes, Haley. That sounds right. To the end. Yes, of, Haley. To the end of the Haley suite. Haley and Laney. Oh, there's another one. Yes, yes, and it's, it's in the song. Oh, is it with the same woman? Uh, no, different woman. Oh, okay. Less crazy, I hope. I believe so. So. I wind up walking away from this song thinking, no, you're still singing the same fucking song you've been singing. Like, and this is in 2005. And the Marshall Mathers LP came out our eighth grade year. It really has always bothered me that that he was still sort of singing the same song. You know what I mean? It's, it's still kind of the same thing he was doing in our eighth grade year, the year after we graduated. I think he's in this one. He's trying to let down his rap persona and be like, "This is this is the real guy behind the character singing about real world stuff." But how many times can he do that? He's been such a piece of shit in that character that like, there's very little that you can do to make me empathize with you at this point. It's like you know a much smaller scale version of like talking heads on garbage channels are like, well, we should feel bad for. John McCain or Charles Krautheimer, who are dead or have one foot in the grave, it's like no, like they've been real pieces of shit their entire lives. Like you're not going to see me suddenly shedding a tear for any of these guys. It's like I'm not suddenly going to become empathetic with a garbage human being like Eminem just because he's sad about his daughter in a song. Now, Jonah, we knew we grew up with Eminem yes. at his at his onset into the persona of the number one artist of all time at his fucking edgiest at his peak where like he scared everyone mm-hmm. he scared everyone that their kids would want to listen to him even if they loved it you know what i mean so when you come into this though you're eight here and we're saying the 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 facade of the angriest white man in the world is already starting to crack and fade what is your emotional relationship with eminem as an artist uh who you came into this 
um, sense of pop culture where he's already been established and, and in our eyes already begun to fade from the glory of his heyday. It's kind of interesting because when, in elementary school, most kids aren't talking about Eminem, at least for the most part, they aren't. It wasn't, I didn't really realize, know who he was until I got to middle school and like his cultural impact. Because when I got to middle school, it seemed like everybody was listening to him and you had to listen to Eminem because he was the greatest rapper of all time. It didn't matter who, you, other name you said. It was all it was was Eminem, and it's really interesting to to now hear and think about. Oh, I was I wasn't even near his prime. I wasn't even near when everyone really liked him. I'm at the way tail end of that when he's trying to salvage his career and go into the next generation of people to listen to him. But I don't have much emotional attachment to him because part of that is when it comes to rap, I never related to it. I never related to the messages of rap because I never struggled in the sense that rap artists would talk about their struggles. This song in particular is kind of interesting because he does talk about being a dad and he talks about how terrible he feels for uh, his kids' lives, that he's not there for them, that he was not able to be a dad because he had to go off and do his rap career instead of being a father to them. So it's, it's really interesting to see that persona shed of me knowing Eminem as this really badass person who says all this shit that you can get away with saying all this terrible shit, but writes this sappy song that no one really knows or remembers. It's kind of funny. And yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that he is remembered as a badass because I think if I had to use a, a main word to describe him, I would use jester. Mm. Yeah. And the idea that everyone listened to him in, in middle school, um, people at the time may not have realized it, because grown ass men liked him, but like middle school is the ideal Eminem age because he's such a nya 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 kind of rapper guy. Um, he teaches you how to rebel, how to be angry. Yeah, yeah. He's it was it was edge lord kind of mm. shit. He's like he's like fucking four chan made into a rapper. Yeah. Oh my god, he is hundred percent edge lord. He's like the worst subreddit you know. Um, man, I'd hate to meet that person. <laughs> so. Let's let's move on to somebody else. I'm not so sure I want to meet again. In trying to get, I'm so sorry. I just have nothing else to say. Does anybody else have any? I don't mean to keep moving no, this along. But I, no, I have a great, I have a great like SAT analogy for this song. Um, Brooke Valentine's "Girl Fight." Um, maybe not exactly an SAT analogy, but like if you take the movie Bring It On, since both these songs are basically the same thing, uh, at least about the same thing, Gwen Stefani's Hollaback Girl is like Kirsten Dunst's cheer squad, and and Girl Fight is like Gabrielle Union's cheer squad, because yeah, it's definitely it's a little bit the Taros and of the Clovers up in this piece, right? It's uh, it's Tori Alamaze's Doncha and the Pussycat Dolls's Doncha. Yeah. Uh, sure. I don't know what that means, but I'm agreeing with you. I feel like that's probably correct. Tori Alamese wrote and recorded Doncha. Uh, she had been a frequent collaborator of Outkast, and the label was like, oh my god, we love this. And they put a little bit of effort behind it as a single, and then the Pussycat Dolls also recorded it. Then they uh, All right. pulled Tori Alamese's and promoted the hell out of the Pussycat Dolls's. Uh, so, yeah. R.I.P. Patty Mayonnaise. Um, Big Boy is, speaking of Outkast, Big Boy oh shows up in this one with uh, Little John, who have we seen on and now yet? No. We must have, because, like... I don't know. I think Little John is still a few too many teeth for white America at this point. 
that's the thing because like the the Dave Chappelle sketches were it, when we were in high school. Like I was like two thousand three, two thousand four. So if we've blown past Little John in regards to um, now, the only time we might get him where it's like palatable for a now is I think Usher's Yeah is coming soon. That might be the only. Yeah, I was about to say it has to be Yeah. John. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna even say maybe even later than that. With I don't even know if it's on it, but LMFAO shots. That's what I know Little John from. Oh yeah, and um, he does another song that's large. Oh, turn down for what in like yeah. turn down for what? We'll probably get as well. This was just a way to. I mean, so the song is kind of like my notes for um the the this song is my my notes for this song. It literally say girl fight is very oh Jesus Little John didn't even try. <laughs> well, that's kind of. In a lot of ways, that's his career. <laughs> and I think that's all anybody has to say about that. The problem is, this is literally exactly how I introduced this this run. It's a bunch of songs by bigger names at cheaper rates. It's it's a shitty Eminem song. It's it's a shitty, ludicrous appearance. It's a crappy Lil John song. It's and I know "Girl" is a good song, and it's from the Destiny Child. It's from Destiny Child's last album that we all kind of forgot and switched places with Beyonce's album. And yeah. you know, it turns out there's a whole lot of it on here. And "Soldier" is a great track. I love "Soldier," and I actually like "Girl," but "Girl" is not their cover of um, "Emotion." Again, it's not that song. It's a good song. It's a fun song. I like it. But I actually think I like it more when it's um, Corinne Bailey Ray's Let Your Hair Down. I think I like it more when it's a number of other songs. Like, I think this is a cool song, and I think it's, it's Destiny's Child. So, yay, Kelly Rowland. Yay, Beyonce. Hey, Michelle. And, like, I think that's great. <laughs> but, like, this isn't the Destiny's Child song I want here and in the middle of this run of less impressive songs this does still feel like a dud because it doesn't pull me back somewhere it doesn't pick me up if one of the things you said that like really fucked with me like okay okay so I have I have that little like magical memory book that I keep of everybody that I love and you know it's just in my head and like sometimes I think about special memories of special people and I wrote a special little memory a couple weeks ago at the at, at the barbecue such a nice time uh, but I also had one in December <laughs> when we were talking about uh, when we did the playlist in the, the the best of the year and you had um, you were talking about including and not including what and um, Tierra Whack. Oh God! What is the name of that song? But Tara Wack that I love that that super hot trap song that she did. Um, you were like, yeah, I just didn't make it because I had nowhere to put it because a playlist, you know, the order really matters. There's there's a narrative, and you know that's why it was hard for you to place Reindeer King by Tori somewhere, but you actually thought it was, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a couple of those that happened. Yeah. I think this now had very little thought put into that. Uh, this this Destiny's this Destiny's Child track is sort of nestled in here because it's not a big Destiny's Child song, and they're just trying to be chill about the fact that it's not an impressive Destiny's Child song. I mean, that's I I, I don't have a ton to say about this song. Um, honestly, Jonah, um, anything about any memories, even um, you know the the pre Beyonce days, you know Destiny's Child, uh, does that trigger anything for you? Actually, no. I think I was at that time where I only knew Beyonce as a solo artist, and I didn't know who Destiny's Child was until I had to go back when people mentioned them. Oh my god! I think this is—you said this was Destiny Child's last from Destiny Child's last uh, album. And even this song, I was listening to, and I was like, "This just sounds like Beyonce featuring some people." Because Beyonce's just showing off the entire song. That really, really she's just given like almost every single part, and you just hear her. 
only in the song at, at certain points. And it's just like, why even put this and why just put a single from Beyonce? I think that might have even been the reason this was the last Destiny's Child record. It's like they all suddenly became wine moms on this album. It's like, where is where is Survivor, Destiny's Child? Like, where's where are the women who like, like they might put cigarettes out in your eye and like I would like it too. Like, the, none of that energy and that that drive is present in this song. And I mean, I don't know about the album as a whole, but from other songs we've had off of it, it's just like um, none of the energy. It's like it's like they were all contractually obligated to be here. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. I think this is just it's not. Nothing about this song has me hypnotized. Mm. And to move to the next artist who usually has us spellbound and doesn't hear, yeah. this is not my favorite Shakira song. I, I, I like it. It's a good song. But it's another song that's an artist featuring another artist, and this is just like the fucking mashup goddamn now, and there's just no fucking point to it. It's also weird that they went with a Spanish-language song. We've kind of talked about how um, some of Shakira can come off very melodramatic and overwrought. This is probably one of the worst examples of that that we've seen so far. Um, I don't really... I guess I just don't really like sensitive Shakira, and I, I want I want fun Shakira. Um, that And that's maybe, maybe just me, but... Um, yeah, this song does very, very little for me. Um, I found it shockingly boring considering how sexy it's trying to be in the video. Uh, this is from Oral Fixation, which is a really phenomenal Shakira record. Um, I believe Oral Fixation Volume 2, there's a special edition with an English version. There's like there's a, there's an English version out there. Um, so I was shocked it wasn't on here. Um, this is just not a great Shakira song. And this just... No. It's so many, it's so disappointing because these have been the artists that we've been, you know, really praising, you know, the Shakiras, the, yeah. the Beyonce's, you know, I'll fucking say it again. We're going to talk about it for 10 more seconds. Fucking Gwen Stefani. <laughs> these are the people who have been bringing it all, all now. And it kind of seems like they're, they're aging into a then. They are. Yeah, it's, it's very true. Um, and I don't know how much mainstream uh, Shakira we have left um so this this would be a disappointing um goodbye i know it, it, no we yeah, have more we have yeah, i know we have at, so, we have at least three more songs okay but have have we done hips don't lie yet did that come out yet no that's oral fixation that isn't so it? that might be coming soon as well that would be the the last big one that i know i'm pretty sure you know she wolf okay yeah i mean a lot of shakira so far has been songs that i didn't think i knew that i ended up knowing including this one it's a, it's, again, it's a bad example of a great artist. Yeah, This was just a bunch of songs in a row where they were like, yep. sell it yep. on names, don't sell it on quality. Now, let's yep. talk, though, for one minute yes. about selling a product on a name. Yes. I would like to point out that I didn't think when it, uh, fuck the bit, because trust me, no one has loved the baby bash bit more than me, as evidenced by my hysterical <laughs> laughter and uh, the rest of America's collective silence. But... I I can't fucking believe Baby Bash has this many songs. I can't believe Baby Bash can count this high. I literally just can't. I, I don't know. <laughs> Who did Baby Bash know? Who was Baby Bash fucking? I, that he, him and Frankie, or Frank, maybe Frankie J was bringing him along. I don't know. But they were definitely just hanging together and always dropping it on these nows like, like, like friends that you never wanted to see. 
And I mean, now he brought Akon. That's at least a minor upgrade. But Baby Bash, please, no more, no more. Please stop the bashing. Uh, he number one. Every time he shows up, he looks like some sort of like Rico Suave Errol Flynn, and he he comes out of nowhere. And the stuff he said, like, my problem isn't that, like I, like, I never mean to shit on an artist, like, as a person. And I never really mean to shit on anyone's art. But part of what we're discussing is, is, is were these songs relevant? No, I really don't think Baby Bash was as relevant as now is reflecting no, him. Oh, no, they, they're putting him on a, on a level with uh, Beyonce, Shakira, R, I mean, even R, R. Kelly. He's had three R, or four R. appearances. R. Yeah, he's in, like, the, the five-timers club at this point. And it's not, I swear, it's people who aren't, like, following the albums. This is not just us doing a, a bit. For a grim vision of the future, imagine a baby bash on your face forever. No, you know what? I can tell you exactly what it'd be. You know what it would be? It would be like if in if in a couple of years from now, Jonah has taken over this podcast and he's, and he's doing now, you know, 70, 78, because that's when it comes out, like, right around now. And... It 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 features. I can't even think of somebody who recently faded away from a small enough hit. Well, yeah, or like he's just talking about how like uh, because he just died. There's like twelve straight albums with uh, XXX Tentacion on. Oh it, my god! Just like, remember how famous that guy was, and everyone else is just kind of like, no, actually, we don't. Exactly. He wasn't famous until he passed. I mean, the bar for a number one single is so fucking low these days. Like, if 12 people stream your song when it drops, you're at least in the top 100. So, yeah. You know, such great heights. Uh, also, that guy sucked and beat people. Uh, no one's going to miss him. And was deeply homophobic. So, uh, this is terrible, and I'm going to repeat it because I'm a terrible person. Uh, but his, I think it was on Spotify, he uh, out record, like the number, uh, beat Taylor Swift. And someone was yes. like, even in death, he's still beating women. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. That hurt. So I can't even I can't even pretend to do my baby bash um, Frankie, Day, Frankie J shtick. We really did put it in the ground. We didn't think there was going to be another sequel. Like, now we have to retcon how we killed this off. Jonah will tell you that I love to take the bit. And Chris, you know as a fact. I love to take the bit way too far, way too long. I like to make sure that the bit is good and dead. And sometimes you even get an extra little laugh out of it at the end. But, like, this is this is getting absurd. This would be like if somebody tried to put every single by LFO ever on every now. This is just such an abuse of a library that doesn't stretch this far. I, I For both of them... And don't get me, I can't argue that the three, that the two of them have appeared in at least three nows together. But it's weird it's that they... It's wild. It's... it's They always appear together, almost back to back every time, if it's not the same track, because mm-hmm. they're on each other's track once. Like, yes. they're on one of each mm-hmm. other's tracks, and then they each appear twice, because Baby Bash had that, um, what was that song? It was like, it was like, um, it was like... I don't remember. Tex-Mex Hoedown or something? <laughs> sure. Uh, oh, no, it was it was Shorty, Shorty Doo Wop, Shorty Doo Wop, Shorty Doo. That song is so bad. <laughs> oh my god! X Mex Cookout. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, John Legend's Ordinary People. What a perfect fucking song. Ordinary people. We don't know. Take it slow, take it 
end of day, end of conversation. Anybody who wants to argue with me, I'll punch you. I I I feel like I'm almost in like a Jonah boat here because I didn't know who John Legend was until like a year or two ago. So I'm I'm still kind of discovering, uh, you know, his early music, and uh, I am I'm enjoying all of it. But it is it is still weird knowing that he's been around so much longer than I ever realized. I you can catch my cover of this up on my Instagram. I I love this song. I think this song is one of the most powerful, beautiful pieces of of, of lyrical poetry I've ever heard. Yes. Girl, I'm in love with you, but this ain't the honeymoon. Past the infatuation phase, right in the thick of love. At times we get sick of love, and it seems like we argue every day. Like, he's not just singing and making lyrics. He's writing about things that anybody who hears it can immediately relate to. He's literally telling anyone who hears this song, this song could be about you and the person you love the most. And he sings it so earnestly. He doesn't just sing it. He sings it from the depths of his bones. You can hear every fiber of this man give his passion to that bridge that when uh, maybe we'll crash and burn maybe we'll stay maybe you'll leave maybe you'll return maybe another fight maybe we won't survive maybe we'll grow but we never know maybe you and i like it's holy shit he is able to create such a complex idea that all love is the same love he literally strives to the paradigm that we all experience the same thing through a really personal lens of a really personal relationship that is every relationship instead of being generic he got so specific that it it that it's universal and he really accomplished something that every artist should set out to do with their art and that's he humanized love and that's so cool I'm, I'm not even going to try to add anything to that. You can't. I have been thinking about how good that song is for a goddamn decade. That is, like, literally one of the most perfect pieces of music. Like, I, I wanted it to be one of the things... I mean, we played it at our wedding. Like, it's it's one of the most perfect pieces of music ever written, and it, it emotionally stuns me. Um, well, let's contrast that with Ann and Alec, Breathe, 2 a.m. Because you can't jump the track with like cars on a cable And life's like an hourglass glued to the table No one can find the rewind button, girl So cradle your Which is, I feel like it's like the platonic ideal of a song for people who complain that VH1 doesn't play v- videos anymore. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a thing. Jonah, do you know this song at all? No. <laughs> I have no idea who this person is. Yeah, why Why would he? This song was everywhere. Yes, it, it absolutely was. And this is easily the worst song on an incredible record. Mm, that seems to be the trend with all of these kind of Grey's Anatomy artists that you keep saying are, are very good, but I just can't really believe you. She's actually a really good lyricist. The problem is she's not a great vocalist. So her vocals are always kind of shoddy uh, when she's going for big things. But she's got these really cool ideas, and her lyrics were really strong. And then she disappeared. I think her label... There was this like period of time um, in the 90s and 2000s, and I don't think they do it anymore because I think the internet has made it harder. But there was this period of time where labels would tell you that somebody was the next huge thing, and you just had to get get on board because everyone else is. And Anna Nalik was one of those artists. They just told you that Breathe was on at every Starbucks. And well, that was the problem, though. She was like the next big Sarah McLaughlin and was 2005 looking for the next big Sarah McLaughlin. I, I think the bigger question is, why were we being told she was the next big Sarah McLaughlin? Why didn't her music 
do that for us. They marketed her into this. She was kind of like an adult alternative. She was kind of like an adult alternative artist, and she was marketed into this like easy listening crowd that she doesn't really fit mm-hmm. with. I'm not saying she's like a rock star, but she's a little bit heavier than Colby Calais. Like if if we're like you know if Colby Calais is a feather and Megadeth is a brick. She's like two feathers, and like when you're talking feathers, that's a huge, that's like exponential, man. (laughs) So, I I think this is one of those cases of um, it's it's she's a breathe two a.m. is the logical next step of don't know why by Nora Jones. It it took a really creative idea that has a really unique sound that that was bound in. Uh, a cultural music that it, it's really a jazzy number, a bluesy number. It, it, it's very about black culture and uh, incredible and an incredible transformation of two different genres into one. And this is the white version of that. And I don't mean that dismissively or rudely. All of a sudden, it was this cool thing to be this kind of laid back, chill vibe. And this is the next evolution of that. This is literally a song that's like just breathe at two a.m. I think everyone has everyone who's listening to this has probably said that to themselves at that time at some point. I wouldn't say it really captures that feeling especially well, though. I I disagree. I think especially the um, two a.m. and I'm still awake writing uh, this song. If I get it down on paper, it's no longer inside of me, threatening the life it belongs to. But you can't run. Oh God, I used to know all the lyrics. Uh, and I actually think it does. I think this song captures a wistful feeling you never need captured, though. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel like I used to think that Sunday nights were cursed. And it wasn't even just that, like, I dreaded school on Monday. There was this there was this like, the, like a dramatic emotional energy change in my house when growing up when when Monday was coming, because my dad worked like 12, 13 hour days at his accounting job. And, you know, he still does. And it's it's, it's just terrible. And my my mom worked a full time eight, nine, ten hours and then came home and still managed the house so the dad could come home to something that he you know, so that when he worked these thirteen hour days he could come home to, to dinner and she tried so hard and there was this freedom on weekends. Even though our weekends were frequently spent taking care of my dying grandmother, um there there was still a freedom that our family got to enjoy being together on weekends and there was this kind of like heaviness that set in around Star Trek rerun time Sunday nights so like six seven eight o'clock um where everything kind of got like in the house and I very much feel like Anna and Alex 2 a.m is representative of that 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 kind of like that beige ennui that just like that creeps over your body that tells you that mm-hmm. like yeah the magic time I is about to end and you just you just don't want it you just you just don't need it and i think it's really cool that she was able to encapsulate a feeling that absolutely nobody wants to feel on command <laughs> yeah. but it's sort of like uh, you know, I'm so glad that 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 so that the jelly bean industry employs so many people. But gross jelly beans aren't this creative idea anymore, and I don't need celery fart jelly beans to prove that they exist. <laughs> you know, I understand that th- that she put down on paper a feeling. She did a better job encapsulating a feeling in art than I am ever going to do with anything, and I really appreciate that. But I really wish she hadn't picked the emotional feeling of having a hole in your sock all day. Uh-huh. 
talking shit and you didn't think that I would hear it. From here you talking like that, getting everybody caught up. So many people that's gonna leave the back, gonna get a touchdown, gonna take you out. Back to back with your pom-poms down, getting everybody caught up.